Oh, I'm on. Hey, guys. Hey, everybody. <laughs> wow. Weird vibe in here again today. It's good. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. He meets us wherever we are. Amen. All right. So that being said, live stream. What's up? Wherever you are today, God's going to meet you. Amen. I didn't hear you live stream, but we're going to let it slide. Um, if you're in the live stream, drop us your name so we know who's here. We'd love to say hi to you virtually. Um, if you're in the room, let's go ahead and stand together in this strange space we find ourselves in. Maybe it's just me. Could just be me. It's probably just me. Angie said it was just me. It's fine. All right. Anyway, we're going to hop on into our Psalm passage from Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses in Nagib. We'll go with that. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Amen. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seeds for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. So Jesus, we come as we are this morning. Whether that be with shouts of joy or weeping and sorrow, we know that you're going to meet us. We're thankful for your presence, God. We ask that you would come in however you want to today. We lay down, we just, we just lay down everything today, really. We lay down our agendas, what we think it might look like to meet with you. We ask you to move however you want. You're God and we're not. You're better at that than we are. So we just submit it back to you and we ask that you would come speak to us today. There's nothing like your presence, God. Open our eyes to see you today. In Jesus' name. If you'll pray with me as we transition into praise of the people. We pray for the universal church, its members, and its mission. Specifically this morning, we lift up the church in Russia and in Ukraine. We pray specifically for the believers in both of those countries. God, I pray that your light and your love would break through in the, for the believers in Russia. God, that your truth would remain clear in the midst of distorted lies. I pray that your protection would be around them. God, that you would hold them near and dear to your heart. Would you use the church in Russia to be your hands and your feet that change may come about. Bring favor to them. May there be unlikely relationships and friendships birthed. Would it be something that, that there is no government that would be able to stop it? We pray for the church in Ukraine. God, would you just come and would you be a place for them to weep and mourn? Would you be their refuge and their safe place? Even in the darkest hour with the enemy is trying to overwhelm them and silence them, would song erupt 
would light burst through the darkness? Would the church grow when more people come to know you in spite of what the enemy intends? May we be burdened for our brothers and sisters across the globe, around the globe. Bless the churches in the surrounding countries that are taking in refugees that are being safe places and and giving them food and water and a place to lay their head. Would you just provide resources for them to be able to continue to do that? thank you that there has yet to be and there will never be a government or a king or a president or a dictator that can stop your church from being the church and we stand firm in that may we partner with them lord have mercy We pray for the world and all those in it. We pray for El Salvador as they are entering into a state of emergency after there's been an increase of gang killings with 60 in one day because of gang violence. God, we pray for the El Salvadorian government. Where there is corruption, would you bring justice? Where there is fear, would you bring freedom? Would you enter into that country? May they not be overlooked or forgotten, but would they, the people of El Salvador, know that you love them and that you are for them? And would you mobilize the people in that country that will work for your good? Lord, have mercy. And we pray for this local community. We lift up Joan Powell as she's healing and recovering from a fall in pneumonia, would you bring healing to her body? Give it the rest that it needs. Restore strength to her. Would you just invade her home with your presence that she would feel loved? Would we as her community surround her? Pray for Allison Beaver's mom as she enters into the tail end of her chemo treatment. We just pray for continued good results. We pray as her body's been broken down with the chemo, God, would there be time and space space for her body to be restored. Protect her from germs, protect her from any further sickness. Would you just begin to heal that family after such a hard several months? Would you hold them near? We pray for Charlie and we thank you for what you've already done in Charlie and the updates that we've gotten from the Hamels. God, would you just invade Charlie's hospital room? Would you continue to allow her to make strides of healing, strengthen her body, give wisdom and discernment to the doctors that they would know how to best care for her? And I pray for everybody that has need and longing and desire and in despair or torment that is not um, shared, that's not been mentioned. God, I thank you that you know us better than we know ourselves. I thank you that you don't miss a thing. And I thank you that you tell us that at the mention of your name, things change. And so even when we don't have words, may we just call on the name of Jesus. 
and you are there and you respond. So this morning, for those that need rest, may they find rest in you. For those that need hope, may they find hope in you. For those that need friendship and community, may they know they have a friend in you, but also may they find a friend in this room around them. You are the God of comfort and grace. Would you be near to us as we draw near to you? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Spring break. Who's on spring break right now? Who's traveling somewhere? Awesome. Fantastic. Who's not? It's okay. Have like a staycation. Just make it fun. Just make it fun. Save some money. It's going to be great. It's going to be good. All right. So if you weren't here last week, I still hear the music. I like the background, but it's going to throw me. It's going to throw me. Um, My friend, Dr. Johns, came and preached, and she is... She embodies so much of what I value. That's why I, I seek time with her. But she shared a message I would just encourage you to listen to if you weren't able to be here. Very impactful. Um, very timely about us living as prayer. I, don't, I like the phrasing, you, you are prayer. Uh, it changes it for us. I like the idea of being a thin space, not just looking for thin spaces. It's not like an experience-driven Christianity where we go find a thin space, but being a thin space, coming out of a space we create with Jesus, which I believe is accessible for all of us, and then we become that for others, right? To be Christ-like for others, that comes out of a space with, right? We're not embodying somebody we're not with. That's impossible. That's um, kind of like an imposter. But we've tried that, all of us. The best versions of Jesus through us are always the ones that are actually with him. And that's accessible for all of us. And one of the ways that happens is through prayer. And today we're going to continue to talk about prayer, but I wanted to just back up a moment and talk about where we've been. You've heard these five things a lot. We're asking our body over the next season to continue to step into this. The very simple steps, spiritual formation, outside of a Sunday context being able to be formed by Jesus in community. I believe the church exists for that. I think this should be a place where that's able to happen, not just a place you come to hear a message and very talented worship leaders. I believe being present is something our entire generation, our entire nation needs, not just physical presence, but actual mental presence. I believe prayer is literally the sign of a dependent life. And it's also one of the hardest things to do in Western culture. Serving, of course, to be like Jesus is to serve like Jesus, to love others well. And then giving, of course, to step into being a generous people through our giving. So you'll hear about those over the next few months in small ways and in large ways. But we're going to be transitioning now into a season of specifically prayer. And so I want to give you a little bit of here's what's coming just for you to know about. Today I'm gonna be talking about a praying life and um, the context that this is coming from, that I've been wanting to to speak through some of this for about a year now, is this book, it's called A Praying Life. It's very practical, but very good. um, Practical way into prayer if you struggle with the idea of prayer, which a lot of people do. Most people I know do. Um, it's, it's got some things in it I've been wanting to say for a while, and it just says it better, and so I'm going to be pulling some things from that. 
April 10th is Palm Sunday or Preparation Day. I love Palm Sunday. That's next week. There will be kids walking through here confused about while they're doing it and doing kid stuff, which is great. Prayer week is the week after. You just heard about that. April 17th is Easter and baptism. You just heard about that. After that, we have praying life again. And then we have our big birthday, which is also kind of the unveiling of some new things happening at River City. So it's a fun season. It's a fun time, right? We've, we've decided to tear this down out here. Our church is doing that. So this just because we're here. I really actually feel bad about the trees. <laughs> Driving by really pretty trees that have been cut down is just like, it's a little sad, you know? So bless the trees, the future. May there be stumps that grow out of each. Amen, anyone? Okay, good, that's good. All right, so in Lent, prayer is a focus because Lent is a season of separation from, for them, the city. They go out for Jesus, led into the wilderness, and in the wilderness, if you'll be reminded before I speak about what I'm speaking about, Jesus is kind of trained in discerning the voice of the Father and voices he should not listen to, All right? But it's a hard season, right? There's a, an attack in it. There's uh, loneliness in it. There are all these things that we would rather not have before calling is instilled, which happens after this for him. But it's this meaningful season and time for him to receive from his father things that he'll need for what he'll do. But his identity's not in what he'll do. We've already heard his identity is already taken care of. You're a beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That happens first. Oh, that we would get that. So many of the things we struggle with would, would stop. But we don't, and that's okay. We work together through it led into this wilderness. He learns to discern his calling. He learns to discern how God has gifted him. It's not for himself only, it's for others. He's sent into ministry. But today we're reminded in a season of Lent that prayer is one of the most beautiful opportunities for us to spend time with our Father, right? So I've been studying and meeting with people over the past month about what my values are. And this might sound really ridiculous to some people, but for me, as a pastor, historically, I've felt the need to be good at a lot of things that I'm maybe not great at. And that's okay. But as I've dove into how God has gifted me specifically, I've found one thing. It's why I like preaching. It's why I like small groups. It's why I like church settings. It's why I like conversations over coffee. And the idea behind it is that I would like to see and be someone who leads out of spiritual health. Don't hear me saying I'm spiritually healthy like everybody needs to be. That's a desire. And I would like to see doorways opened for specific people within the body of Christ to learn how to be with Jesus so that they can be formed. So this space, that idea, makes something like preaching valuable to me. Because what if preaching can be a doorway for people to experience Jesus? Not to see a gifting in a person. Lord knows we don't need to build any more churches around a gifting, right? Lord knows we don't even need fame. We really don't need fame at all in Christianity. I almost think as soon as fame sets in, it's almost inevitable what's gonna happen. But what if the focus and attention is brought on these doorways to the presence of the Father, where formation happens and where submission and humility happens? And prayer just so happens to be an entry into humility. Its very entrance is, I don't know. Prayer is not us just telling God what to do. That's not at all what it is. Prayer is actually confession and, and dependency. And that's the mark of a praying life. 
is the idea that your dependence is not a negative thing. It's actually a positive thing. And it's keeping you in a space that's making you, uh, giving you the ability to be this thin space for, for others to experience and for you to experience Jesus. So that's why I love prayer. So prayer can be so good, right? Prayer can be where we learn how to walk and how God's gifted us. Prayer can be where we, where we learn how to see others, the world, the way that God sees it. Prayer can be a space where we co-labor. Prayer can be deep communion with others. Prayer can be, for me, just the kind of peace, I, I wouldn't have used to have been able to explain it this way, that has a physical presence, like peace that actually has a feeling where, oh my gosh, like as you remove all and just sit, there's actually something good happening. At our network retreat recently, I think I'm quoting the right people, Tom said this, that Henry Nowen had a conversation with Mother Teresa and he asked her, what do you do in prayer? And she said, I mostly listen. And then he said, well, what does Jesus do? Well, he mostly listens too. And it's this idea of sitting with, right? Sitting with almost like a dinner, what do you do at a dinner? And so for me, I love the idea of prayer, but I also recognize for you and for most, and for even me, even though I love it, there are walls that are real things. A couple of those things are money actually does a lot of the things that prayer does quicker. And so when you live in a very affluent, very uh, wealthy culture, which we all do, this is one of the wealthiest cultures in history, it's easier to hop on Amazon, the new temple, as we talked about, and to buy it other than to wait on God to produce something that he would produce, right? It's also incredibly hard to pray in a culture that's so busy and has such a priority on accomplishment. And that definitely works its way into the church as well. We all have to face that. That's all of us. Nobody's exempt from feeling like we're just gonna be lazy all week and everybody's gonna love it. Like that's not a common thing, right? That's a very negative thing to even say. You're like, no, nobody should do that. We should all be busy. And it's so interesting that when we stop being busy, our bodies even tell us, get busy. Like, do something now. It's almost like we're fighting with ourselves. And when we do finally find a space to say, I'm not gonna accomplish, we would rather be entertained. So that's, that's where Netflix comes in. Or even, as Dr. John said last week, I, I do this as well, and I don't want anybody to feel bad about this, but you should feel terrible about this, I think. <laughs> I have silence and solitude next to a river and I'll put on my music. <laughs> I don't feel terrible about it, but it, I did choose last week after hearing that to sit next, I always go to the same river on Monday. I sat and I didn't and it turns out that birds are actually pretty good at sound and I actually really enjoyed hearing the water and there was something that was more soothing about it than listening to my normal playlist, right? And so we don't like what prayer, the, the, the idea of stepping into prayer for many of us surfaces so many things for us that, are, that feel like walls, but I just, want to, just, I just want you to kind of go with me to a place that says, what if your wall is actually the exact doorway that, it, that God's been trying to work with you on? What if your inability to sit still is not your reason why you're not as good at prayer as Julie, but it's actually the thing that he's just wanting to interact with you about? What if the feeling of shame that surfaces as you sit with yourself and with Jesus is not the reason you shouldn't sit there, but the exact thing he's been waiting to be like, no, 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 no. This is, this was the, this is the bridge. This is what we walk across together. 
This is how you see who I am and what I'm calling you to. That's why I like Jesus. That gets me excited about, that gets me pumped about living for God. And I, I know it's not possible for everyone to jump into that space and we're all just killing it with prayer, but there's the opportunity for all of us to step in and to interact with him. And you'll learn in that process. And how long does it take to learn? A lifetime. And how many feelings will you have along the way? Thousands. And will they be exactly like hers? No. And do you have the same history as Micah? No. We all have a different story that we've been walking. We all have a different trajectory and we're all at different spaces, but the invitations are a plenty. Always, always and forever, I'll always know that as I sit and as I have peace and as I have space, there's an invitation waiting. I might not hear it, I might not understand it, but I can feel it over time and I can live into it. And so today, <laughs> that's a long intro. That was, but I enjoyed it, so I hope you did too. It's helpful for me as we start to talk to focus back on Christ. It's not us getting into prayer. And what I love about Christ, and you see this through the Gospels, we've talked about this plenty, his invitations to his disciples feel like adventure or a journey, and he's not concerned about how they enter. One of them, in fact, literally tells him, nothing good comes from where you're from. That's a person's entry into the gospel story. And the reason that's important is because that's where that person was. And that's, to me, how Jesus interacts with us. Where are you? Where are you going? Would you like to come? Well, I'm here right now. Okay. Jesus has a way of including us in on his journey and his story that would be appealing. And a lot of times it looks very different than what we think. So I wanna read you a few passages today. First, I want to tell you about when I was a kid, all right? We're, I'm going to tell you guys to pray like children. Everybody say children. Everybody say, yay! Okay. You're going to be like kids at some point today. When I was a kid, about eight years old, we lived in a neighborhood. I don't, we lived in, I lived in 19 houses growing up. That's not, it's real. We just, we like to share the wealth of our human presence to houses. And there used to be this kid that lived down the street. He would always come over and say, hey, you want to go uh, walking creeks? And I just remember, as I've been praying through this message, the times that someone would invite me to go, that maybe for you sounds awful, but for me, to go with other eight-year-olds and walk through creeks, we would get in the middle of a creek and just walk <laughs> way farther than we should have. Like, our parents should definitely have been there. If my nine-year-old Nava walked in a creek for any distance, she'd be lost forever. But, but I remember, like... All of the feelings you have, there's danger, but there's, I trust more than I should. Like, this tree could fall, but I don't know that. There could be a snake right there. Shoes off, walking in creeks. That's what we did as kids. I loved anything like that. I loved as a kid how I didn't think too much about it. I imagine right now, as, as kids, all of you, what if all of a sudden, eight-year-old you was in this room? what would be happening, all of us. If all the eight-year-olds, I wouldn't be up here. We'd just be running around doing crazy stuff. Because there's something about kids, right? There's something about when you're a child, you haven't been hurt enough, you haven't been um, disappointed enough, you haven't learned enough to question everything, right? To box yourself in. So these passages to me are beautiful because it's not telling people to stay children their whole life. It's saying, become like a child again. So I want to read these to you real quick. This first one is from 
Luke, it's one of the Gospels. It's gonna be quick. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord in heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. You can go to the next one. This is Matthew 18, one through five. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? An honest question from them. We shouldn't feel angry at them for always asking. Just honest. They wanted to know who was the greatest. And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. You can go to the next one. That's the last one. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. you imagine that? (laughs) Kids are like, this is confusing. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, and this is, I, I really want this, Emphasis, at, emphasis added, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Isn't that awesome? Just this picture of Jesus, because a couple things you just need to know, it's only been about 100 years that kids have been glorified like we glorify them. Before that, kids were like, they're just annoying like kids aren't great to have around. For the disciples, this would have probably been confusing. But it shows us a little bit of something about Jesus, which I think is important. Jesus actually enjoyed kids. I can always tell when I'm around people, and just for myself, people who actually enjoy kids and people who are like, what are they doing here? Why are they here? They're ruining this. Kids on a plane, everybody loves that, right? <laughs> kids in a church service, can I get an Amen. We actually enjoy that here. And one of the reasons we have a whole Sunday built around having kids in here is because we need to be around kids and they need to be around us, right? But this points to something about Jesus that's not super straightforward. Kids trust him. Kids wanna be with him. He's not putting on to make sure that they feel a space that's okay, they can get to his stuff. They are this stuff, right? George MacDonald says, I'm just gonna read this actual, because I will not get it right. He says that he does not believe in a man's Christianity if the children are never to be found playing at the man's door. I feel like a litmus test for where I'm at spiritually a lot of times has to do with how I feel about how disruptive kids are, or people. And the less I'm connected with Jesus, the more it just feels bothersome. You're like getting in the way of stuff. We have a trajectory and a vision, and it'd be great if you just calm down, whoever, adult or kid. Adults that act like kids? You wanna hear the loudest Jesus gets in the scriptures? Watch him find someone acting like a kid. He's basically like, this is what I'm talking about. Be like this. And we're like, are you, are you sure? Because I remember one time when my six-year-old was at a playground, and that person's not in this room right now, It'd be great if you wouldn't share this with that person. And 
she or he was so excited to be playing at a playground with hundreds of kids that when this person had to go to the bathroom, and I'm not talking about number one, I'm talking about number two, that what happened was they just decided to take off their pants right there and go poo-poo and then start playing again. That's not necessarily what I think the scriptures are asking us to do. But, ooh. (laughs) Is that a double entendre? No? So there's something about that though, right? I'm not gonna be too thoughtful. And there's a lot there, I think, maybe. There's also things that kids do that are really harmful, right? I mean... That's why when one of my kids pulls out a knife from the drawer, the first thing I do is scream at them and shame them, grab the knife out of their hand because there's danger, right? Kids don't know that there's danger. But it's so interesting to me that Jesus is telling us as adults to go back and be like this. So what is it about being like a kid that actually helps us to, what it said in that third one was to enter and see the kingdom. And it also said if we can't be like that, we actually won't see the kingdom. And then we decide we're just gonna adult our Christianity. Let's just adult it, right? So I wanna share with you a few thoughts. You can pull up this slide, the next one. How do we adult our prayer lives? So when we get into prayer, we can't concentrate, so we instantly think something is wrong with me because Prayer has a way of revealing where we actually are. And most of us don't want to deal with where we actually are. So when we sit to pray and be with the Father, we are messy. And actually, as we sit and stay, we start to see nests of cynicism. We see dreams that, oh my gosh, I thought about that. I wanted to be that way. We start to deal with how our marriage is. We start to look at where we thought we'd be. Why am I feeling this feeling? And it's just easier to not be in that than to be in it. We also see our powerlessness and our selfishness as a problem and not an invitation. This is so interesting to me. One of the key points in this book is it highlights if you were to go to a prayer therapist and explain who Jesus is, almost all of us would be pretty good at saying Jesus is a loving father, he's Abba, he's Papa. He wants to be with me. It's about a relationship, not religion. And then if you were to say, well, explain to me your prayer life, it would look so different than that. And then the, re- the revelation would be you have a dysfunctional relationship with your father. And the question would be why? Why is it that way? Why do we decide to adult something that we were never intended to adult? We also see through time as we age, skepticism sneaks in, and, and just to say this, skepticism is a lousy God. It's a lousy God. And it, 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 it comes at us as wisdom and intelligence. It comes at, at us with the idea that we have the right path and we will not be subjected to be hurt anymore, but it doesn't lead to anything. It actually isolates. It actually turns out to be a really lousy God. And as we grow our childlike faith, the ones that let us go walk through a creek, that dies because we hear stories about people walking through creeks and getting eaten by alligators. 
or whatever, right? They die a little deaths, and, and then all of a sudden we're 44 like I am. And every time someone's preaching, I'm like, is that dude really living what he's, every time I walk into church, I'm like, I wonder if they're like stealing money. <laughs> or every time I turn on TBN, which is not a good idea for me. Literally the worst idea. Any Christian television, all I can think is how broken it is. And to be fair, a lot of that is broken very deeply. But I would rather just choose to trust some. And lastly, this is gonna maybe feel like a table's being flipped, but prayer's not an experience. Prayer's not an experience, right? I don't go on my date with Sarah every Friday at 12 for two hours to, have an ex- to experience Sarah. I go on a date with Sarah because I want a deeper relationship. We experience things together. But I don't call her, I'm like, hey, can I experience you at 12 on Friday? That sounds like I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but we do that in prayer. We sit in prayer thinking I'm here to get this. Whether it's a feeling or an answer, I don't go to lunch with Sarah to get a feeling or an answer. Those happen. Last Friday at lunch, we talked about our son's baseball. We talked about a trip we're going on. We talked about where we're struggling. We talked a lot about how she's decided to use Friday as a Sabbath now and how it's created so much space for her and she was laughing. We just spent time together. We talked about going to visit a gym that one of my friends goes to and then thought maybe we shouldn't do that. It's a little far. We just had had time together and I felt when I left that like I knew her a little better I didn't have an experience you don't we don't go to prayer to, to have an experience we don't come to church to have experiences they happen as we're with the people and with the father right does that make sense that feels larger than I'm even able to understand right now so if Jesus wants us to become like children and not to, to lean into these things to let it be not while we pray, what are the things that children are offering that he's kind of leading us to? And I've got a few things, so I'm gonna share them with you. Children come without pretense. They do not wear masks, right? And we see this, we see this as a flaw a lot of times. Go to a place that's important with a kid who's not gonna wear a mask and your whole inside is nervous, right? Because my kids, they don't care that I'm a pastor. I'll tell you right now, I don't care that you're a pastor, I'm going to be what I'm going to be here. And it's uncomfortable, right? It's amazing though, right? We learn somewhere in our teenage years, probably somewhere in puberty, masks are helpful because then it protects us. They're not actually helpful for anybody. Children come messy, literally at times, like physically messy, but also like sad, happy, scream, quiet, don't even know what they're saying. They're just jumping around, talking about this. Nava will have a conversation with me about dinner, and then she'll ask if I'll take her to Old Navy, and then she'll say, when are we going on vacation? And then she'll say, why did she get that? And then she'll be like, well, am I, when I grow up, am I, gonna ha- am I gonna be taller than I am? And then she'll be like, and she'll be like, do you think I'm a good softball player? And then she'll be like, um, like yesterday, just yesterday. She's my kid who is next to me. It's, it's become, she's next to me all the time. And I'm, yesterday I'm writing my message or Jesus' message, if you will. And she's just there. She's like, hey, look at this. And it's like, nothing. She's showing me where she just like colored a circle. It's like, that's not important. I told her, I was like, this right now is not helpful for me. <laughs> she was like, I'm just trying to sit next to you. And I was like, oh, I'm actually preaching on this tomorrow. 
And then I, then I pretended that I enjoyed it. <laughs> I, just, I wish I was kidding. <laughs> so, but kids come messy and it's good. They're not organized. So like back to when we adult prayer, we come the same way. I don't feel like being here. Why do I feel distracted? I want to talk about this. What's coming on tonight? When do the Braves play? What time does Noah's game tomorrow? Do I, what, am I ready to preach? Why am I mad at this person? When did I feel triggered? Now I'm just thinking about how I'm triggered. <laughs> like that's, but that's, if prayer is like a relationship and not an experience, that's what it is. And those are the invitations. Whatever the invitation is, you see with the disciples, he's not shaming anyone for being where they're at. That's where the conversation starts. Where are you? What do you desire? I desire to be healed. I desire to see. Where are you? That's the, that's the starting point. That's not the ending point. That's not the wall, right? I just have the picture. My kids have, no, I'm not gonna share that. I'm not gonna be in trouble. Yeah, but I always share anyway at this point. No, I'm not. So the wall, right? What if, what if there's a way the walls are actually doorways and we've always thought we're not supposed to but he's like, no, you're, that's, yes, you're supposed to. Next thing, they believe blindly and trust their parents' love. This, this is, I'm not gonna account for all of the broken parents that have been broken and broke kids, but mostly when people are young, they really do trust, like more than they should. I watched, when I was preparing this two weeks ago, I watched a line of like 12 kids walk past my office and they always go to this field, and I was just thinking, they would literally walk anywhere. They, that teacher could be like, we're going to walk. It doesn't even matter. They're just like, we're going. We're just going to go. This is going to be good. But adults, try and put them in a line and walk them somewhere. You just had 11 conversations. You don't even get to walk because every adult was like, we're going to have to talk about where we're going. How much time is this going to take? What do I need to bring? Do I, are these shoes okay? Do I, am I, is it sunny out? Do I have suntan lotion? Kids don't think about that. Kids are just there. They're just... They just believe and, and blindly trust. And you think, well, I've grown up and I've matured and now I know what the right way to doubt is. But that's, that's not the point of this. The point of this text is him saying there are aspects of children that would actually be helpful, not hurtful, as a way to be alive. The most uncomfortable I ever feel is when I'm supposed to dance. I don't even know where I'm supposed to dance or play a game that makes me do a thing. Well, there's one game that people are always like, oh, this is gonna be so fun. You either gotta dance or sing it or ride it, and I'm like, this is about to be the worst nightmare of my entire life. Because if it gets to me and I've gotta dance a thing, I shut down. I hate it. And there's something, I mean, just honestly, like, I should probably be able to do that. Why do I care so much if I look like a moron? I do not like looking like a moron. Right? When I give announcements, I write out the announcements and still mess them up and hate it. Right? Like, and then lastly, like I said before, prayer is the relationship. Prayer's not what we do. Prayer's a medium to be with the Father. To be with the Father's the deal. Prayer gets us there. So we don't do prayer. We do relationship with the Father and prayer's a tool, a good one at that. Prayer's a space, it's a table to sit with, right? 
It's a place to be present with the Father. That's why I like any of the disciplines. They're all avenues and pathways to the main thing. And the main thing is to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, to do what Jesus did. But you cannot be something you are not around and with. I cannot emulate a mentor. If I'm, I can't tell, tell somebody this person's my mentor. I like to tell people that St. Patrick is my mentor. I say that to sound smart. I'm just being honest with you. I love what he did so much, but I never sat with him. I mean, I've been to Savannah for him. <laughs> like for him, I did that. I, don't, I like to say that though, because I like what he's about, but I don't really know him. He probably wasn't even funny, and that's a big deal to me. I feel like I have a thing, I'm upset at St. Patrick now. Because he's one of my mentors, like I was saying. <laughs> But it's the same with Jesus, right? And, and if you're able to be childlike enough to think, I can be present with my father as my father is present with me, then you can be formed. And that's what all of this is about to me. And prayer is such a good avenue for that. And there's so many ways to jump into it. There's so many different ways to jump into prayer. So just real quick, what, what are we asking? What is the father asking us to become? The spirit of a child, childlike spirit, childlike Hope, my sister embodies this really great. She's not here right now. I think Tina, and you guys all remember Tina, I think she embodies childlike faith really great. You know, I think, um, I think of a lot of people who do this well, and I, I wanna be better about celebrating it. Sometimes I feel like it's a little bit ridiculous, and I wish people would grow up. That's honest, but it's actually what I would really like to become, and I probably don't know how to. So I think the invitation here is like, what about this childlikeness would really be helpful, you know, and, and, and your relationship with me, and I want to become it. And I just want to say these things to you. Be who you really are. And that's hard because you're really jacked up. All of you. All of us. There's no version of us that's perfected, and part of that is the purpose. That's why Jesus is the way. In our dependence and brokenness, that's, that's why that's there. So, so come really messed up. Be jacked up. It's okay. Sit with him. If you feel intense shame, the thing you would want to run from, sit just for a moment longer and say, Jesus, you know what I'm feeling. Can you be with me in this? And I promise you, he will. He is with me. I think I would like to say to you, it looks like a family dinner, more than an experience. Revelation 3.20, if you could pull this up, Bill. Should read it real quick. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, and he with me. How beautiful, right? Like, eat with me? What are you talking about? I just want to just answer this. I want a new job. I didn't ask you to over for dinner. No, he's like, that. that's it. This, this is more like a family dinner than uh, like a telethon, it's more like a family dinner than an experience. And at a family dinner, there's so many different nuances. Be invited to a family dinner. Even if you want to be so cheesy, set up a dinner one night and sit with Jesus. And then tell me you did it and take a picture of it and I'll talk about it. It'll be great. Uh, I would say also, and I just want you to know this because I really believe it, God really cheers when we come. I know it's, uh, you know, like cheering for everyone now is the thing that we're like, nobody should get a trophy or whatever. Like, don't cheer for them. They should be running to first base. And part of that I really agree with, you know. But also, I think, 
I don't really see enough how much God celebrates just the simplicity of just that, just the connection. You showed up. That's, Rachel, you showed up. That's so awesome. You're just here, right? And you can pull up this next passage. This is why this passage comes out all the time. Come to me, all who labor, all who are heavy laden. I will give you rest. I believe this is Jesus saying, yeah, just come. You're, you're burdened, you're tired. All of you are tired. You're all Americans. Every one of you are too tired. And you're cool with it. Yeah, we're supposed to be, right? Come to me, all who labor, who are heavy laden, I will give you rest. He wants to give you rest, right? Your, your, your schedule may not lessen, but the busyness of your heart is deeply impacted by time with Jesus. It's deeply impacted. It can reorient your whole schedule, right? So if you try and do the busy without the Jesus, there's, it's just a ticking time bomb. Just, it's coming, it's coming. One day you'll be like, I am empty and it's, there's no more water coming out of this well. And that's, that's why I see Jesus getting away and still continuing in ministry. So. And then I just say this, like, ask like a child. You can pull up this last passage. And this is just real simple. Our kids are like, can I have ice cream? Can I have ice cream? Like, I've already told you, you're not having ice cream. Can I have ice cream? I'm telling you. I'm gonna send you to your room. And then I'm on my way to get Nava ice cream, literally. <laughs> And the reason they ask like that is because their childlike faith tells them, if I just keep asking, daddy will eventually do this. And it literally works. Every time. Because it's more annoying to hear it all day than to give it. Now, I'm not saying Jesus is annoyed with us. But what I am saying is that persistence, right? Jesus actually takes time in scriptures as well to, when there's persistence, he literally is like, look, persistence. You know, the neighbor that knocks at night that we'd all be like, go away. We call the cops on. He's bragging about it. The lady, the mom in scripture, he's bragging about it. Look, when people are childlike, he's like, this is it. This is what I'm talking about. Quit trying to adult life, adults. Child life. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And the one who seeks, find. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asked him for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? We're not going to get into today how we ask in accordance with his will. But you already kind of know. It's not just me asking for all the stuff I want that I like. And the more you're with the Father, you, the more you know, right? Like, I'm not buying Nava a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> she kind of knows that at this point. But I'll get her an ice cream, which is equally as bad, as bad for her. Anyway. <laughs> All right, so we're going we're gonna to close with something very interesting. Everybody say, yay! <laughs> Those of you who didn't, I think we know where we're at, you know. <laughs> this is for you. Here's my first challenge, and kids are coming in a second, just one moment. Everybody say this, walls are doors. Not physically, because if you walk into that wall, it's literally gonna hurt. But your walls you face when you try and enter a space of intimacy, prayer, relationship, or connection, that's actually a door. I want you to get in your mind that wall the next time you sit down, whether it's tiredness, busyness, I wanna be entertained, I'm mad at this person, that is your doorway to a conversation, walls or doors. Number two, action step. Everybody say action. Action. 
Everybody say, yay! It's getting less. People are starting to get that adult vibe. They're like, yeah, I think we did it enough. <laughs> I get it. There's two things happening every week now for you to be in a space of prayer. My goal would be all of us to be there. Is that going to happen? Absolutely. 7 a.m. on Tuesdays, there's intercession for one hour. That's early for some people. 9 a.m. on Sundays, there's intercession and prayer for 30 minutes. Those are literally two active steps where you can be like, I'm here for the adventure. Also, prayer week, coming to it is a step, right? And then here's your kind of big thing. You see a sheet anywhere near you? It looks like this that Jessica created. You're gonna have an opportunity to pray like a child in just one moment. But I'm asking this from everyone. This is what I'm asking. This is your church. Each of these things are things we're praying and interceding about, and we have been all of Lent. There's two weeks left. You can jump in. There's still two weeks you can fast something. Fasting is this. Fasting is feasting. It's separating from things that take our time to feast on Jesus. It's a way to listen more. What Jesus did in the wilderness was listen more. Brought clarity. I would love it if you spent time this week and next week actually sat down maybe with your family and said, we're gonna pray for a culture of discipleship. And then I'd love for you to write out what you actually hear, perceive, think, what wisdom you have, and then bring it back. How good would it be for all of us to be like, here's what our body is is hearing. I think we have to move from thinking the pastor is the only one that hears from God about the church. I think that's how we're in trouble in the world. What if the whole body hears about the body? (laughs) Wouldn't that be awesome? So without further ado, Jessica's gonna come up and do a few things to make us feel like children. It's It's gonna be great. You're gonna love it. Yes, that's perfect. That's perfect. We're going to start by letting kids pray for us today because praying like a child, who better to pray like a child than a child? So we're going to start and let them pray for us. And then I'll give you some further directions on how you guys are going to enter into and partner with them a little bit, okay? So Sloan, can you start us? make good choices, kids and grown-ups.
we're gonna do what we call Play-Doh prayers. We do this with the kids a lot because kids love Play-Doh. So, will you guys take some Play-Doh and give it to the adults, please? So as they're bringing you Play-Doh, take it and give it to any adult in the room. All the adults need some Play-Doh, okay? Okay. All the adults need Play-Doh. Take some more. Okay. So what we're going to do, once you guys have your Play-Doh and get it open, which that might be a task in and of itself, this is what I want you to do. There are specific shapes on there. And so I want you to, as you pray for one of these things, I want you to take your Play-Doh and just completely cover it. The shape, like this specific area. So you're going to use your Play-Doh to make kind of a hexagon shape covering that. And just ask the Lord to begin to cover that both spiritually, physically, to provide. It's just a way to engage your hands and your eyes in prayer because kids pray so much better when they're doing something physical. It kind of keeps their attention on what they're praying. So as you work with that Play-Doh and make it moldable and then form it into the shape over what you're praying for, just invite God to be in that process. Enjoy it and ask him to cover those things just like he is covering it for real both in the spiritual world and in the physical world we're combining those okay if you guys will stand with me we're going to close with Simon says kidding. <laughs> You're all out. <laughs> Some of you are like, that'd be fun. That would actually be fun. We're going to sing the doxology uh, kid style. So let's do this.
blessings over you. Um, I want everybody to grab one of these sheets before you leave. And if it'd be helpful to pull out your phone and schedule a time for you to meet with Jesus for a relationship date, I wouldn't hate it. But I would love it if you came next week or the week after and you were like, I prayed, here's what we heard. Wouldn't that be cool? So Jesus, I thank you that we get to interact with you that way. And I pray for the next two weeks until Easter. We just become like kids. Thank you so much. Thank you for these children and these children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Thankful for you. for joining us today and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.